Nassim Alatrash is a Palestinian cellist, composer, and educator whose performances include a mix of improvisation and traditional Arabic music, jazz, and contemporary classical music influence. During our conversation, we spoke of Nassim's cultural approach to music, the powerful and subversive work he does with his tough students, the transcendence an artist must strive towards, and the difficulties of discovering his artistic gifts while growing up in Palestine. I promise that you'll be moved by this conversation. My name is Jay Cottle, and this is Nassim's Lab. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dexter's Lab. I'm here with Nassim, and so today is Nassim's Lab. Nassim, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Jay, for having me. Absolutely. Glad to talk with you today uh, and learn more about you. I, I don't think I know that much. I feel like this is going to be a learning opportunity um, for me, uh, and I'm excited to share that with everybody else. So in whatever way makes sense to you, tell us about yourself. All right. Uh, yeah. So my, as you said, my name is Nassim, uh, Nassim Al-Atrash. Um, I'm originally from Palestine. I grew up in, uh, in Bethlehem, Palestine. A very historic place mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, I kind of started uh, my musical journey around age 12, uh, 12 or 11 something like that uh, I'm a cellist um, started studying the cello at the National Conservatory of Music uh, in Palestine and uh, my journey has been uh, influenced uh, by the styles of music that I kind of grew up around. So early on, I started studying classical cello, classical Western music, and playing Arabic classical music with the local ensembles and musicians in the, in the region. Um, soon after that, I realized that uh, music is uh, what I want to do, and uh, that uh, I wanted to become a professional musician. So I started uh, searching for opportunities. I auditioned for uh, Berklee College of Music and um, and uh, other schools in Germany. I ended up going to Germany at the beginning. I studied there for one one year um, and uh, studied German. And uh, and after that, I did one semester in Germany. I f I later was invited and uh, to um, uh, to to. to fill out an application after doing an audition for Berkeley and I was given a full scholarship to Berkeley College of Music in Boston and that's when I decided to move to the United States in 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, I did my undergraduate studies and master's studies uh, uh, at Berkeley and I kind of uh, focused my, uh, my vision at Berkeley and my studies into um, developing my uh, my sound on the cello which is a mix of uh, classical western music what i started studying mm -hmm. arabic classical music and arabic folk folkloric styles mm -hmm. and uh, jazz and uh, contemporary music that i was kind of uh, uh, really attracted to and I, I got into more at berkeley college music playing with uh, uh, jazz ensembles mm -hmm. uh, rock ensembles and so forth um, so my music became a mix of of uh, of these uh, different genres uh, uh, coming from my experience. Uh, I currently live in Boston. Um, I'm teaching at the Tufts University uh, as the uh, as the director of the Arab Music Ensemble. Mm. I also have my private studio, of, uh, private students that study with me. I'm a composer and and performer. Uh, work as a sideman with uh, multiple ensembles and uh, also lead my own project. 
course. Yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Uh, I like to play as well the instrument called the oud, which is an Arabic instrument, but it's more of a, I do that as a side thing, as a hobby, but, but I really enjoy playing the oud as well. What, what instrument is that? Can you describe it? The oud is, uh, the, I would call it the father of the lute, which later brought the guitar. Okay. It's a it's thousands of years old instrument. Uh, it looks like a, a it looks like a, like kind of like a guitar, but it's rounded, uh, mm. and uh, it has the, the the back is not flat like the guitar, but it's more it's an oval shaped instrument. Wow. It does not have frets like the guitar, so it could play the microtonal uh, mm. uh, maqamat, we call them, which are the modes of Arabic music. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the leading instrument in Arabic music. Uh, whoever plays the oud is usually the leader of the ensemble, the Arabic ensemble. Wow. So uh, it's one of these instruments that uh, is very popular and so many people play, and it's used to play and sing. So it's kind mm. of like what the guitar is for American music. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, much of, a lot of American music, the oud is for Arabic music, uh, kind of similar, uh, mm -hmm. it has a similar role Amazing. in the music. So yeah. you, started, you started young, you said you started when you were nine, and I'm wondering... 11 actually. 11, okay. 11, yeah. So you're 11, you... How does that happen? And then particularly with the cello, that's not a small instrument, and I'm always fascinated by really <laughs> young people who pick really big instruments, and so I'm wondering what was the choice there? That's actually interesting that you said I started young because uh, for many of my teachers coming from Europe, they would come and teach in, in Palestine. Mm -hmm. uh, I would be told that uh, I'm started late because usually most people would start at age three, four, five to play violin or cello sure. and so forth. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what's, what's expected uh, mm -hmm. from someone who wants to become kind of professional in the, on those instruments. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, uh, we did not have that opportunity. Growing up in Palestine, I really did not even know about the violin or the cello. Mm -hmm. And it was a very late, uh, uh, considering in that style, it was kind of late for me to discover this instrument. And it was very accidental discovery. Uh, it happened because of uh, just kind of flipping through the TV channels on the Western channels, you know. The <laughs> so we have, you know, in our in TV, uh, back in the day, we didn't really have access to YouTube or right. or internet that much. Mm -hmm. And uh, if if you would go like and start flipping through through the channels in the, on TV, you, you know, we, we would have like one thousand channels. And if I get to like up in the upper uh, thousands channels, then I would get to like. Uh, like European TV channels and American TV channels. And there was, I think, uh, there was a channel called maybe Mezzo, if I remember correctly. And it, they would play concerts, like classical concerts. And I saw some concerts and I immediately got goosebumps. I, mm -hmm. I saw violin, uh, like a violin, uh, maybe a string trio playing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I that's when I wanted, I decided that I really want to do this. Um, soon after that, uh, my school, my elementary school, middle school, it's all like in Palestine, it's all one school. Mm -hmm. They started a program uh, for teaching like instruments, uh, like violin and oud and all these instruments. So I... Um, I joined that Friday music school that was happening at my school um, and I was told by the teacher that I should, he said, um, he said, meet me after, see, after like giving me the violin, mm -hmm. he noticed that I immediately grabbed the, the violin at the time, not the cello even, and I was able to kind of play scale and make some notes right, right away after he showed me how to do it. Okay. So he, he was like, I think you have something special, you should come meet me this afternoon at the conservatory.
mm-hmm. and the conservatory is where you would get more like a serious training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I went to the conservatory, I tried to sign up for violin. He said, um, uh, unfortunately, that was during the Intifada in Palestine, the uprising. And uh, we were going through a lot of, um, uh, we, we, were not, we were not allowed to go out of the house, curfew, army on the street, you know, there was so much going on. Yeah. And uh, there was uh, the violin teacher at the moment, um, I think uh, he was a European, maybe from Sweden. Uh, he, they, they have left the country because of the unsta- unstable situation. Sure. Um, fortunately, there was a, a cellist uh, teaching and he was Palestinian. Um, and uh, I was told, why don't you pick up the cello? At the time, I did not know where the cello was, and uh, I was, I was, to be honest, I wasn't sure because it looked so big, mm-hmm. and I was like, do I have to carry this thing all my right. life? Like, I, I really don't want to deal with this. Yeah. Um, and uh, apparently, no, there were very few people at the time in Palestine playing the cello because of the fact of the size and. Sure. Uh, so uh, I still I kind of asked my older brother he's like one year older at the time and he he said to me oh the cello is awesome I have a friend from Egypt that plays a cello I know what this instrument is Um, he encouraged me to 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 try it out I took one lesson in that lesson uh, I I immediately fell in love with the sound I thought the cello cello had a very kind of it uh, in terms of range the cello range is very close to the human voice Mm. Um, and I think that's why it 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 immediately speaks. It ha- it's very emotional because it almost feels like you're listening to someone singing. Wow, that quality and warmth uh, of cello. Wow. I actually liked it more than the violin. The violin wow. now, you know, like even back then, sounded a little bit too bright for my for me. Sure. And I I realized that I'm attracted to warmer tones. Mm. Um, and that and that's how my journey started. Uh, my teacher played. Uh, Beethoven on on the cello and then he played uh, Um Kulthum which is a legendary Egyptian singer he played a song by Um Kulthum which is a classical Arabic music uh, performer so and showed me how the cello can actually play both styles and I was amazed by by that and since then it's it's been my my instrument my main instrument that is to me I'm fascinated by that because I feel like Clearly, you feel like you were destined to play this instrument, and from all the accolades and everything else that everyone's given you about how you well you play that instrument, that was meant to be. But so many just like little things had to line up for for that to become your reality, right? Like this yeah. teacher was missing, and this teacher was there, and you know, also shared the same background. You know, I, I think that's fascinating. But I mean, you mentioned the uprising. What was it like to to study among in that time, and and just kind of live in process and, and, and kind of have that as the backdrop to to learning and growing at that time. How was that for you? Uh, it was uh, it was almost like a, a savior. <laughs> the music came as a savior for me. Um, we were going uh, uh, as a child experiencing um, uh, experiencing this type of uh, 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 kind of dehumanizing uh, acts. Like oh, you're not allowed to be out on that. If you get, if you go out of the street, you'd be shot at by the Israeli military, or rubber bullets, gas. You know we've experienced those things, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we've experienced fear. You know, sitting at night in a, in a house, 
uh, electricity cuts off every night during the uprising. And, uh, and uh, there was a 40 day at the time, there was a 40 day invasion of Bethlehem. Um, you just hear uh, explosions and you don't know what's happening, um, how close it is. So that was a very traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was during that time that I started playing music and it almost, uh, I, I, it gave me this uh, hope that, um, uh, that the world is just, uh, it has so much beauty actually uh, that I experienced through music. Uh, soon after like starting the cello, six months later, I joined the Palestine Youth Orchestra and I traveled to Jordan and then we did a tour in Jordan and then we started traveling, we went to Germany and, and music kind of opened up the world for me. I realized that the world is, is big, it has so many beautiful places and the music can take me to all these places. Uh, and not only physically, but also, you know, sitting in the orchestra playing German music, suddenly I felt like tra transformed, that uh, you feel part of this uh, huge sound. Um, you feel part of something. So it really, uh, it, it, it made, basically it took my attention from everything that was going and, and gave me a purpose. Um, and that, that, was, that was really, uh, that was really important, I would say, really important to me and, and my brother and my sister, because we all started music at the same time. My brother mm. played Daoud, my sister played violin. Mm. Uh, and uh, we, we really, uh, we were taken by music. It became our main uh, activity. Uh, we would finish school and just go to, uh, to the music school. Mm. And a lot, a lot of times, um, you know, I, I, when I won the f when I won the first uh, prize at the national and the national competition, mm -hmm. the uh, they were giving the prize in Jerusalem. Mm. Um, uh, but as a Palestinian uh, from the West Bank, I'm not allowed to go to Jerusalem. Mm. So when we went to, I was still under sixteen years old. And I was supposed to be allowed, like Palestinians under 16 years old are supposed to be allowed to go through the checkpoint to get mm -hmm. to Jerusalem. And when I went to receive my prize for w winning the competition, I was not allowed uh, to, to pass. And that was one of the experiences that really, uh, uh, really touched me. I remember my teacher crying. My teacher was, was Italian. Mm. At the time, it was a violent teacher uh, because the teacher who was Italian could pass and go to the ceremony, mm. but I was not able to pass to go there. Mm. Um, and uh, that experience, you know, experiences like this growing up mm -hmm. uh, just actually just pushed me to push me uh, to work harder on my mm -hmm. craft and to uh, to really uh, use music as as my uh, as my voice uh, mm. uh, to express all these feelings that i was mm. going through mm. wow um i can't imagine what that felt like and so you're also a composer and you're talking now about how music became your voices that why you got into composition or what what kind of drew you to to that particular lane of your artistry yeah this is a great question i'm actually um uh, composition is something that uh, I struggled with, uh, uh, to be honest, for, for a long time because I came from a background where 
you know, most most of us cellists, I would say, or classic classically trained musicians, mm-hmm. uh, we are trained to perform uh, works by other musicians. Sure. Um, and and these musicians are, of course, the greatest uh, composers, uh, like Bach and Beethoven and and, and mm-hmm. Tchaikovsky and Shostakovich and all on these great composers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that almost always kind of made me feel that uh, that I would never be able to write music that is any close to the greatness of sure. these composers. Mm-hmm. But later on, when I was doing my master's degree, actually, which is uh, four years ago, mm-hmm. um, I um, I started uh, I started taking composition more seriously, mm-hmm. and that was the period uh, when I uh, I started. Um, using my practice time mm. to uh, to com- to compose and and to record my practice sessions and record improvisations that I would mm. do during my practice sessions mm-hmm. and then I would go back take elements from these uh, improvisations find uh, uh, rich melodies and uh, motivic phrases and try to build compositions i also started studying compositions more seriously mm. um, and uh, since then I've been uh, composing um, music on the cello that uh, that I feel is unique to to, to my experience sure. uh, I try to take the Arabic Arabic uh, maqam uh, which is the Arabic uh, system of uh, tonality system mm-hmm. of notes mm-hmm. uh, and modes Mm-hmm. Um, and use that use that as the the basic framework and in, in which I build these compositions. Um, and since maqam is microtonal, it's not uh, it's not built on the same uh, I would say uh, same uh, twelve note system mm-hmm. that the Western music is is built on or equal temperament tuning. Uh, that opens up so many uh, new uh, opportunities, especially a new opportunity to discover new sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I found that maybe it would be a very interesting thing to see to create uh, uh, works for the cello that are built on on, on that system um, and bring into it improvisation, which been which which has been a big part of uh, of my uh, of my identity as a musician. And it's kind of missing in classical music in general since for the past 200, I would say 200 years, improvisation kind of disappeared uh, and became less important in classical music. So I wanted to bring that back to classical stages and uh, and and at the same time also bring the spontaneous uh, performance that I found amazing on jazz musicians right. got to study and work with. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so that that's really what drew me into composition is the fact that I uh, I felt that I wanted to um, express what uh, uh, this idea of Arabic cello uh, something that maybe it, uh, it's hard to say like it it's not a thing you know you can say like Arabic cello is because cello is an Italian instrument and then uh, and then it's it was used in uh, Western classical music yeah. uh, but in the last century cello made its way into the Arabic orchestra and became an Arabic instrument too, used in the orchestras. Um, and I saw that this is an opportunity for me to actually uh, make Arabic cello an actual... Uh, 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 you, now you have jazz cello, people say jazz cello. Mm-hmm. It's 
and and maybe we can have Arabic cello, which is a, the a cello style that's based on the maqam system of the Middle I East. I believe it, and I think you're going to be at the forefront of it, and I'm going to love it. I'm going to listen to it. I mean, I I'm a vocalist, and I've been really drawn to Arabic music in the last yeah. five years. Not with any level of great detail in terms of like, I'm no ethnomusicologist, I can't go that deep. Um, but just an appreciation and um, hearing how different it is. And so this is my other question now. I find a lot of lab artists um, have multiple identities and a lot of them are exploring how to connect the unique cultural backgrounds into their art forms because a lot of them have come over here to learn and to study and to learn this Western music. And so there's usually like, I'm combining this and this, or I'm doing this and this, or I'm bringing this to this. And I think it's fascinating and it's always interesting. But my question is, do you think, is there a feeling now as we talk about, you know, this world is more global and we're interconnected, do you find that folks from the West do that as well, that they are learning outside normal Western styles and taking these other things in to influence their work? Um, or do you feel like it still comes more on the other end? And you, you mentioned that you know you, you run the, the Arab Ensemble at Tufts and I'm wondering who's there, is it? Who, what students sign up for that? Oh yeah, thank you so much. This is a great question. Um, yeah, f first of all, uh, at Tufts, it's um, it's an ensemble that the university offers, mm -hmm. but it's also a com community uh, uh, ensemble. So anyone can really join. So uh, for people hearing this, anyone who wants to learn Arabic music and is not a, necessarily a Tufts student, mm. they can join and they can be part of this community and perform with the ensemble each semester. Uh, and it's free, it's not uh, for a charge or anything like that. Um, and what's beautiful about it is that most of these students are studying uh, political science or uh, humanities and things relating to the Middle East, Middle East studies. And uh, they're not musicians. Many of them are actually, uh, they, some of them never played any music or, or had any musical training. So I teach them how to speak the Arabic language for uh, for the purpose of singing the songs, not to speak fluently, but to mm -hmm. say the, the words. Uh, we translate the songs, understand the meaning and, and, and how these songs, uh, uh, why, these are, why, why these songs were important at the time they were written for the society and for, for the story. And uh, I teach them the Arabic maqamat, um, the moods, uh, and uh, we, we put together a concert each semester. Each semester is a different topic, each semester is a different experience. Wow. Um, the Middle East, or the Arab world, just to be specific, is a very big uh, world, wow. a very big world. And uh, each region has completely different music. Mm. So you have the Levant, which is uh, Syria, Lebanon, Palestine, mm -hmm. Jordan. This area, it has its own kind of sound and identity. Mm -hmm. uh, Egypt can be considered part of the Levant, but it also has its own uh, identity. So usually we would consider Egypt and the Levant together. Mm -hmm. uh, Iraq has its own uh, music and maqam, uh, the maqam, Iraqi maqam. It's, it's a very unique style and genre. Mm -hmm. Um, the uh, uh, the north uh, uh, north west Africa northwest Africa like Morocco Algeria Li mm -hmm. Libya all these countries are so different 
even myself, if I perform uh, Moroccan music, I I I, tr- I try not to go there because I feel like I don't want to appropriate this music because even though I am Arab myself, sure, I, I consider that my music is really the Levant area, sure, uh, the Palestinian music or Syrian or Lebanese music. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we try to focus on the Levant area because that's that's kind of where I'm from and that's kind of traditionally what this ensemble has been about. Sure. Uh, but sometimes we we go into worlds other than that, like you know, there is also the Gulf, the Arabic Gulf. And to answer your question about um, Western musicians um, being influenced, I I think that's happening actually a lot, and it's not just happening now; it's happening more now. But it's been happening over mm. many uh, many centuries. Mm. You hear compositions even. Uh, you hear compositions in uh, uh, like classical music, Romantic era, or mm. uh, Tchaikovsky's uh, music, or Bartok, or they. Mm. Some of them took uh, ha- wrote, wrote pieces influenced by uh, sounds they heard in Arabic music. Mm. Um, uh, so you hear that influence in in some of the pieces they written. But later on, you look at uh, uh, jazz. Uh, there's a lot of connection between the blues and Arabic music, and leading to jazz music. Yeah. Um, and and you find that in the vocal style, the ornamentation. Yep. Um, and and so there's so much connection. Um, so the world is smaller right now, but actually music has never been this pure thing. It's always been uh, uh, people has, have always traveled and trade and. Uh, and all of that really influenced uh, uh, music uh, across different regions. Um, and so I'm not an ethnomusicologist, but I experienced that through my work with musicians from, of from different places. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. I mean, I want to just jump back to something you said about um, how a lot of your students aren't even musicians, per se, before they they come into this. and. It sounds to me, and you can clarify, um, that there are people obviously who have this building global perspective and are thinking about, you know, this region and doing work there. And it seems like they at least have an understanding of how music can can kind of get you there. It's funny because the last uh, Dexter's Lab we did was with Wendy Jalen, and she does a lot of global work too. And she was talking about this concept of dance diplomacy about how she goes to these different countries and you know the diplomacy there the learning is just through the art form and there's no agenda there's no like policy that they're discussing it's just like i want to experience your culture you experience my culture and it helps us have a better understanding um of each other in the, in a way that can be really profound and so it just feels like a call back to me of that piece of the conversation and it it really makes me wonder and i wonder if you know this how it's impacted their work what do they go on to do and and how does this kind of experience shape that work that they do afterwards that's actually a great question i heard about some students actually um going to traveling to the middle east and when they go there they hear those songs that we do in the ensemble and uh, and they immediately feel like you know what I actually connect to the culture so much uh, deeper because uh, I feel like the best way to know uh, people to know group of people is to know their music 
you you know you can you can you can uh, go to uh, restaurants and try the food and all of that and but really once you learn the music and the dance that's when you really know uh, these people Um, I had an experience um, going into the Palestinian uh, refugee camps in Lebanon a uh, long time ago, that was uh, maybe 2004, if, if I, oh no, 2007, if, I, if I'm correct. And just to tell you how music uh, played a big role in that visit, when I went to the, to the camp in the beginning, um, I felt that, you know, these are Palestinians who were displaced and they were moved out of Palestine mm-hmm. to Lebanon. And since then, they've been living in these refugee camps for the past... Uh, I would say 73 years uh, and what's what's really fascinating is that they dream until now of going back to their homes and their land and when we first arrived there the Palestine uh, youth orchestra they the kids came to talk to us and you know and they were a little uh, not sure about us because they they were like are you sure you're Palestinian how can we make sure you're Palestinian you know the, the, especially the little kids uh, they they imagined we were gonna look in a certain way maybe or um, and uh, we were not really connecting so much and and then at some point uh, we took out the instruments and we sat in this area in the middle of the camp uh, uh, and we just started playing Palestinian folk music mm. and in that moment the all these people young youth in the in the camp they came and they started dancing the Palestinian uh, dance the dabke. And uh, this energy of like, uh, you know, the tension that was going on suddenly turned into this party and uh, happiness and uh, connection. And uh, they, they realized, oh, these are, you know, these, these people really are from the same place. They, they know our music, you know, this is our music. Um, so music can really, uh, can really connect people in a, in a very deep way. And um, that's what's really, uh, that's, I think that's what's really beautiful about what we do is we really get to uh, learn about other cultures through our uh, work. And it's, it's becoming a very common thing for musicians from different genres and different places around the world to collaborate. It's, uh, it's becoming a priority for so many musicians. And I, I love that. I really, I really uh, encourage this, uh, this type of um, uh, exchange between cultures. I think if anything, it makes, at the very least, it makes the world more interesting, but at its most powerful, it's like you said, it's connecting us and it's, it's kind of breaking down those barriers. Um, what an amazing story. Uh, so I'm throwing it back all the way back to your childhood. Now you mentioned that you, as well as your brother and your sister played instruments. So what are your parents like? Are your parents one of those just like <laughs> in the arts? Like we love them in the arts. How was, how was that growing up? <laughs> My my parents are are amazing because they they're both dentists. Wow. <laughs> they're, both, they're both dentists. My my dad loves to uh, uh, sing in the choir and church. Mm. Um, we come from a, a minority in Palestine, from uh, the Christian Palestinians in Bethlehem, which uh, which goes back, th- uh, you know, a couple of thousand years now. But uh, um, so my dad has a beautiful voice. He loves music. Same. My mom loves music as well. But I am really amazed at their uh, uh, at their openness. They were always so, and I and I feel now that I'm older, 
I feel so grateful for mm. how how open they were about this whole music thing because I know that uh, life in in as a musician is tough, mm-hmm. and uh, to be open to say you know yes do go for it go for your uh, passion uh, we will totally support you. Mm-hmm. I really don't think I don't think many parents um, do that, mm-hmm. um, and especially in in our culture at the time. Uh, people were were pushing against it a little bit like my western like my music teacher coming from europe and mm-hmm. they were all saying you know you have that's what you need to do this is what you were created to do mm-hmm. uh, but some of other people in my city and in in, in um, from my school my elementary school and high school they were like you know that's are you sure are you doing this because you know you have good grades you could be a doctor you could be mm the the usual is to you know go for medicine engineering uh, law right. um so my parents my parents were were amazing until now they're so supportive and uh, yeah I'm, uh, they love they love music they love to dance they love to sing yeah it's amazing you got lucky <laughs> yes yes definitely so uh what is creativity to you what does that word mean hmm that's that's good that's a good question um i feel like to me creativity is being able to uh, to connect certain uh, aspects in a way that maybe no one else has done before so being able to see connections between in music, for example, connections between um, certain melodies or certain mm-hmm. notes or ideas, mm-hmm. and put put them together, and then suddenly it seems like this was meant to be, mm-hmm. uh, and that ability to really see see something that is not ex- does not exist and see it uh, uh, and in- envision what it's going to be like and make mm-hmm. it happen. I think that's what's really, at least for me, what creativity is. Uh, and it's so it's so hard because sometimes uh, uh, you know you come up with a melody and you play, uh, you know I play the melody and it's like I start the first thought thought I I have is like okay wait I have to make sure that this is not a melody that I heard at some point and it's just right, coming right, back through right. my mem- <laughs> memory. Um, but everything we do, I feel like it's like everything we hear, everything we experience, kind of goes in our brain, gets processed. Mm-hmm. And then it, after it kind of it cooks there, it it comes back out through expression and uh, and sometimes what what we what we express is a mix of everything else that really we experience. So I feel like um, that's still creativity. It's uh, it's not purely new, uh, but it's new because it's a mix of many things that we've listened to and it's a mix of uh, so many influences. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say. Like we, we, there are only. F- that so many notes in, in in the scale in a scale for example mm-hmm. and uh, and we've been using that same these same notes for so many years so that that makes that makes it even harder for creativity but uh, that's why i love microtonal music because we have so many notes in between the notes <laughs> that we can use you know yeah. and, uh, and that's a beautiful thing wow. so I mean, you're talking a little bit about making these connections or or kind of uh, feeling the thing that is to some degree original as much as it can be. But like, I'm wondering what is, when you're in the zone, what does it feel like to you? Some people say it's 
it's a hum, everything falls away, or like you're chasing after everything and, and you know, you come out of you don't remember what happened. What does that feel like for you? Yeah, that's a great great question. We have actually in Arabic we have a word that's called tarab. Tarab. And uh, it's a style actually, a genre called tarab. And what tarab means it means achieving uh, ecstasy through music, achieving a higher uh, a higher existence or a higher uh, uh, frame of mind. Or um, uh, Arabic music, the goal of a performance is to achieve tarab. Wow. And if a performance does not achieve tarab, then it's not considered to be of the same level. Sure. So when, whenever you, whenever you perform in an Arabic setting. The goal is not to be uh, to show off and have crazy technique and uh, virtuosity. The goal is not to be perfect, you know, in the sense that have every ornament be so clear. Mm -hmm. The most important thing is that for the performer to reach that state of mind. And once the performer reaches that state of mind, they can bring the audience into that into that journey together. And when people reach that um, state of mind, then they scream out loud. They say Allah, which means God. Mm. And it's very common in Arabic performance for people to scream in the middle of performance. You just say out loud that when they feel that they have that feeling, you know, when they reach that state of mind. Um, so for me, that's that's similar to what you are talking about is being in the zone. Um, is uh, It's almost uh, it's it's a place where everything just flows. Mm -hmm. It's a place where everything just suddenly becomes easy and it yeah. comes, ideas flow uh, uh, and playing becomes, uh, uh, there's no, uh, you're not fighting with the instrument. Just It's yeah. just uh, technically you feel like your hand is going places and mm -hmm. it, it, whether you, if you're a vocalist, you know, or a, or a sax player, for example, you know, it's, 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 you know, like your, your fingers and your, your mouth is creating those tones. Yeah. Uh, I experienced this few times. One time it was uh, the most powerful one. I really felt that I really was kind of watching myself perform instead of performing. Mm. And I feel like you hear that from different musicians. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very rare, but it's almost like an out-of-the-body out experience where you yeah. feel like you're... Uh, I was playing and listening to everything at the same time. And I was mm. hearing... I could hear every single instrument so clearly, including my own, as if I'm listening to a record, but I was actually playing in the moment. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's so, it's so hard to, <laughs> it's so hard to get there. You have, you have to have everything just right. I know. In the it's moment. So like, <laughs> what you just said, like, hit me in the chest, because I'm just like, that's it? Because, that's, you know, that's it. <laughs> I've never, I've never heard that term, and I've never heard it expressed so beautifully and i think it's about transcending you know what i mean and it's like getting to a state of transcendence and and moving people through that and sharing that experience and like you said it's so rare but it's so powerful and it's like for me it, it feels kind of like uh when you're in a pool or the ocean and you're like lying on your back and how you hear changes where you can hear mm. everything it feels like and you can hear inside of you but it also feels far away at the same time and it feels like you're just perfectly dropped in the middle of it all except when i'm singing it doesn't mm. feel like that at all because like 
then I feel it like in my entire body. And then when it's over, I feel exhausted, right? Like you feel like an energy is leaving out of your body and you, you almost collapse. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous of singers because I feel like, first of all, the, the most powerful way to touch anyone is through singing because uh, the human voice just has, it has something that no instrument will, will ever achieve. It's, it can touch people and move them in a way um, uh, that I, I, I think it's just very, it's much harder with, mm. with, uh, with musical instruments. Mm. Um, and that's why vo vocal music is so much more popular, you know, and, and of course, lyrics uh, mm. play a big part mm. in that. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, I feel like the human voice when you're singing, uh, it's just coming fr from inside the body. And that also must, uh, it must, uh, touch the performer more when you sing. It's such a personal thing. Uh, so to me, I, as a musician, as a composer, I, I put singing as the goal. And whenever I play cello, I try to play like as if I'm singing. I try mm -hmm. to think, I think, does my cello sound like I'm singing? If it's not sounding like that, then maybe I should do something about it. Mm. I mean, I'll say this. I rarely get there without like, things like behind this and i know that that combination of the instrument and the voice i think is like there's nothing like it i don't think so i think we're all we're all part of the pie um that's yeah. right I've been this for a long time i'm telling you man, it's <laughs> stuck in me now so <laughs> we're now talking about having these kind of experiences thinking about them in our bodies and i'm wondering do you feel like creativity, artistry, any of those things, is it something that you're born with? Is it something that you can learn? How how do you feel about the nature versus nurture aspect of, of artistry? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like this is one of these subjects that people can disagree on and you can have a big debate on, but I feel like it's a I am a I'm a teacher, so I I see all kinds of students with all kinds of talent. Yeah. I, I do I do believe in uh, uh, in what I call musical intelligence, and um, I do believe that intelligence comes in so many different forms, uh, and musical intelligence I can see it in some students right away, mm -hmm. and I know that these students are going to make my life easier. Mm -hmm. um, so of course, if you have that intelligence, and some people call that tal talent. You can call that talent. Uh, your your ability to learn and to uh, uh, to express it will be much, it just goes the process is much faster. Sure. And I feel like this is kind of a, you have you can have certain amount of that talent. It could you could have crazy amount of talent where you are uh, at three years old you can compose and play concertos, you know, and uh, like prodigy prodigy musicians. Sure. Or you can have uh, normal amount, but uh, but good amount, and and you can learn and become a very high level musician. Right. In the end, it's at certain point we all hit a certain uh, we hit a, like a wall almost. Yeah. Like okay, your talent can take you so far. After that, it, it all has to do with smart practicing and hard work yeah. and uh, how many hours you put into it. And yeah. uh, so I feel like it's not one or one of uh, one or the other. It's really a mix of different things. Uh, the environment is a huge part, too. 
um, if you have musician parents, that's like already like a huge thing. And if you grow up in a, in a house with music play, being played every day in the radio or on um, online, that uh, that itself can can uh, is gonna put you uh, many steps ahead from everyone else. I know that I can play uh, Arabic music probably better than Western music because I heard it growing up. Uh, and that first like 15 years of your life, I would say, or 16 years, whatever you do in those years is going to be uh, a big part of of uh, what's going to happen after. Um, and also the the songs you learn, the pieces you, pl- you play at that age, you will never forget. I think, uh, I don't know if I heard Yo-Yo Ma say that or, or someone else, but, but it's... Uh, is saying that the pieces that he learned at young age, he never needs sheet music, but everything you learn later, after a certain age, you always need to put the sheet music to play because it's really hard to memorize and internalize this. So I think um, to sum things up, like it's a mix of the environment, the musical intelligence or whatever intelligence is, uh, whether it's musical or any artistic intelligence. And the third thing, the... Uh, the, how much hard work and the type of hard work, like, you know, how smart you practice. If you have all these elements correct, uh, in you know, if you have all of these things and you have the right teacher and, uh, mm. and good and you're put in good hands, then I think you can. The, the the there's no limit. It's limitless how far we can go. Amazing. So obviously, you are a lab grant recipient. Can you tell us a little bit about your lab project? Yes, of course. Um, actually, my my lab project puts kind of all of these things we talked about. Uh, I believe and, it. And, and includes the, <laughs> the this project is is really um, very personal and, and means a lot because I wrote uh, this music um, uh, as a kind of trying to tell stories of Palestinian refugees. Mm. Um, I I went home for a summer and I met with many people who experienced. Uh, uh, at very young age having to leave their hometown and now they live in different cities Mm. Uh, whether it's different cities within Palestine or different countries and talk to them I watched so many documentaries and I talked to my grandparents and and people who experienced the diaspora and the the Palestinian catastrophe and I, um, I, I took those stories and uh, wrote uh, a suite and this suite is a four movement suite mm. each each piece talks about a different aspect of uh of home or the idea of home and the idea of um uh, the, the palestinian nakba the, which happened in 1948 when palestinian we, when we lost our land and our home and uh, th- these uh, pieces are very different the first one uh, it talks about uh, daily life, you know, like uh, things that you experience when you're in Palestine, like uh, walking down the street and the smell of uh, freshly baked uh, bread in, in the local bakery mm. or, um, you know, or, or going to those uh, old market in the old city in, in Bethlehem or Jerusalem mm. and walking through and hearing people uh, saying the names of the products they're selling and shouting out loud and seeing the kids running through the markets. And uh, I was having a lot of images in my head. Uh, the second movement is uh, more of a war movement, has a lot of uh, kind of, a, uh, it's more aggressive, more 
uh, violent. The third movement is it's very dark and sad, mm. slow. Uh, and fourth movement is actually a celebration of life. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's even though we didn't see kind of a happy ending to the story, mm-hmm. I I I made sure to to keep it positive, and it's it's a kind of a, it's a dance in five. Uh, so the time signature five in or the rhythm. It's kind of unstable because it almost feels like it's an has an it's like four four is the you know right. the universal mm-hmm. time signature five it makes it feel like it's almost like it has this uh, extra step yeah. uh, and I I chose that uh, rhythm you know I, I I chose this Iraqi rhythm called Georgina uh, which 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 feels like this it feels like you're uh, you're swinging mm. and. Uh, the the goal was to create to it's it's a dance it's a happy dance but it has this uh, it feels unstable a little bit it feels like it's shaking left and right mm-hmm. and then it ends with uh, with this big uh, big celebration in a kind of Afro Cuban twelve eight rhythm uh, that really just very groovy um, so that's kind of the project I wrote this piece and then uh, collaborated with a Grammy winning uh, composer and cellist Eugene Friesen. Who's, uh, who was my mentor for many years and is a fantastic musician and he's he's the best person I've ever heard like writing music for strings like arranging for strings mm-hmm. so we worked together on creating the orchestration for a string orchestra mm-hmm. p- piano percussion and uh, uh, myself playing the solo cello part mm-hmm. and um, as we talked before it has all the elements of um, Arabic cello mm-hmm. classical Western cello and jazz all of it together in one in one piece mm-hmm. it has improvisations open improvisations uh, instead of having like cadenzas that are composed uh, these cadenzas are improvised um, so I'm trying to kind of uh, bring all all of these musical elements that I really care about into this piece um, I'm very excited about going into the studio on the 28th of June record yes it's it's coming it's it's so soon yeah. it's it's been kind of a crazy uh, year you know we've mm-hmm. we've had to move the session so many times because i could not fi- fit 17 musicians into one uh, one space but wow. finally the studio allows now 25 musicians in one space so finally is we're going to be able to do this and oh. uh, i'm so ha- i'm so excited and uh, i'm freaking out at the same time because wow. It's uh, it's so many things to to deal with <laughs> and organize, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I I legitimately cannot wait to listen to watch it. Like I am so excited. Um, Thank you. And once the world opens back up, like I'm I'm gonna be in the front row there, screaming my head off, um, for sure, for sure. So last question. Thank you, Jay. I got you. I got you. Um, so Dexter's Lab was this TV show. Um, about this little kid who had like a, a huge secret laboratory in his house. And so since today is Nassim's lab, if you had all the money in the world and you didn't have to obey the laws of physics, what would your laboratory look like? What would your creative laboratory be? Oh, wow. Now I have to think. So, uh, so basically, I have all the money in the world. All the money in the world? And I can invest, invest it in... In, in into my studio. Yep. <laughs> and the laws of physics uh, don't exist, so you can whatever you want to do. 
<laughs> I think first thing I would do is kind of like um, buy like uh, buy a hole like uh, the Boston Symphony Hall or the <laughs> okay. or something like that, you know, with 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 such acoustics, you mm. know, uh, or the Concert Gebouw uh, Hall in Amsterdam. Um, and have that be like kind of my uh, my hangout place where I have my rehearsals and nice. and just practice <laughs> because I would think it would be very inspiring to just practice in such beautiful acoustics and uh, wow. and have the whole too <laughs> yeah. and um, I would invest of course into the best gear of microphones and sure. all this uh, all these fancy stuff mm-hmm. um, but I think that what would be really interesting is to be able to hire um, like some, some of my musical heroes to collaborate and and uh, and you know just jam you know and and they come up with new ideas or have discussions you know just to be able to uh, to to talk about music and uh, and all of that um, and maybe br- bring in um, young students and. Uh, uh, youth uh, musicians and 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 collaborate with them. Yeah, so so many things uh, <laughs> that, that I would love to do. I mean, that sounds feasible to me. Expensive, yes, but I'm just like that. Just takes money. So if I, <laughs> if I ever make a lot of money in my life, hit me up and I'll write you a grant and I'll be like, go ahead and make this happen. S- sounds yeah. great. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for talking with me. This was a fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed yeah. it. And I think folks will too. Thank you so much, Jay. I, I really appreciate you asking me for to, to talk today and yeah. inviting me. And yeah, I look forward to listening to so many of these episodes that you're doing with all the fantastic artists and grantees. You guys are very inspiring. So before we go, can you tell folks where they can follow you and your music? Yes, so uh, you can. I have all the you know the social media uh, outlets. Not all of them, but uh, my main one is uh, Instagram, uh, and that's Nasim N A S E E M Al Atrash A L A T R A S H dot cellist. That's kind of my Instagram handle. Um, if you write my name, just Nasim Al Atrash um, on uh, Facebook, you'll be able to find my. Uh, uh, my also uh, artist page on Facebook, where I share some of some of my works on YouTube. Same thing, just my name. Um, I have also my my website is uh, my last name Al Atrash A L A T R A S H Music dot com. Uh, you can find um, everything there as well. Yeah, so that's these are I would say the main um, outlets for me where you can find. Uh, I'll be following you in a moment uh, in case I'm not already. And yes, thanks everyone. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks again, Nassim. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jay. Dexter's Lab is made possible by a partnership between the Boston Foundation and Dunamis. To learn more about the Boston Foundation, visit www.tbf.org. Follow on Instagram at BostonFDN and on Facebook at the Boston Foundation. You can follow Dunamis on all platforms at Dunamis Boston. That's D-U-N-A-M-I-S Boston, or visit us at dunamisboston.org. Until next time, and thanks for listening, stay creative.